0: If only to be a reasonable man.
1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, speaking
0: three new languages today,
1: Eric Kareem. Eric, how are you, buddy?
0: I am fairly well. How are you, Blake?
1: Uh, And and en français, Eric? Uh, no. No. You've been talking French all day, talking Spanish, speaking Lingala.
0: Not, I have not been. I have been speaking French a bit, but it is incredibly limited. We don't really want to subject uh, subject our listeners to that. I can barely speak English coherently on uh, most days, so I'm going to stick to that one. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll come back. That's what I'll work on in the summer. I'll, I'll just start. Taken up Hebrew again, and uh can do that when you say again, do you mean like
1: for the first time since you were thirteen, or
0: yeah, I, although I was never very good at like I couldn't really have conversational uh like a Hebrew conversation i could I could read Hebrew and I could maybe understand Hebrew, but I certainly couldn't convert converse in it. If, and it I makes
1: you, it. if it makes you feel better, I could conjugate verbs in French, but I can't speak yeah. a word of it or understand it or read it.
0: Yeah, when I went to Paris, uh, it was very disappointing. I, I, I found that I had to do like a lot of pointing <laughs> to get directions uh, as opposed to being able to speak it and understand what people were telling me. Uh, I went
1: in 2017 and had a phone, so I didn't really need to worry about it. I not have to yeah. talk to
0: anyone. Yes, that's what you want. That's why you travel, to uh, to not talk to ever anyone.
1: Look, I talk to people to tell them what I wanted to eat and drink.
0: Yeah. Yes, the people who are providing you services in exchange for money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I was at the barbershop today after practice, and in the chair
0: next to oh, mine. Okay, Fred.
1: Okay, once every two weeks is not four times a week. There's a big difference.
0: You get your hair cut once every two weeks?
1: Mm, depending on the time of year. Right now, wow. I do. Wow. Because it's nice out, and I like to keep that 0. .5 fade going.
0: Yeah, no, I understand it.
1: Yeah. Can't have tennis ball head going
0: on. Come on. <laughs> Not in the playoffs. <laughs> anyway, continue, continue. Oh,
1: just the guy in the chair next to mine and the barber were speaking French the entire time. while well, my barber uh, gave me hot Raptor steaks, which is always, uh, always awesome.
0: Should we dismantle them one by one? Uh, no. That'd be a good
1: new format. No. In the event he listens to this, which there's no way he does, just in case. He's a good guy, good barber. Bad, uh, yeah. bad DeMar DeRozan takes.
0: Bad takes.
1: Speaking of bad takes, Eric,
0: we're about to what's get my, yours. What's my opinion on it on literally anything? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Um Are you caught up on Riverdale, by the way? Because it is insane, and you need to be
0: caught I, up on it. I am not caught up on Riverdale. What happens is I cover the playoffs, uh, as you do, um, but then I go to America, where I cannot watch Riverdale on Netflix, uh, because I don't think I can anyway. I, I haven't tried, but I think it's because uh, it airs there on The CW, I don't think they release it to Netflix weekly. I could be wrong about this. So, when I'm in the Cleave on the weekend, I will check into it.
1: Everybody wants to flee to the Cleave, Lemon. Yes. I am not fleeing to the Cleave. You'll be solo. Yeah. Or, or not solo, but
0: you know. Yeah, I mean. without uh, without anybody reasonable to uh, yeah. to support my middling ticks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Someone's gotta Someone's gotta turn those. I don't even know. I was going to say something into gold, but I don't even know what it would be. And it's certainly not coming out as gold. So this analogy
0: is dead. Dead in the water.
1: Dead in the water. Um, it's You know what? There was a lot of – there's been a lot of giving up on analogies halfway through the last couple of days. Dwayne Casey and DeMar yeah. DeRozan both did it.
0: Yeah, well, DeMar even did it uh... – on Friday in Washington when he was talking about how, like, an, at home you walk around in your underwear. In your drawers, yeah. Uh, your drawers. And then he was like, I don't know where that came from. Yeah.
1: And also, then he, <laughs> then he showed up the media availability on Sunday in his pajamas. So,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> clearly was, uh... trying to
1: drive that metaphor home.
0: Metaphor? Yeah. I guess uh, it
1: would be a simile. Because
0: he said yeah, it was well, – yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, I and I used it in my story, uh, not his pajamas, his t-shirt. Yeah. Um, I, I don't read your work, so
1: I don't know what you're.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Likewise.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway,
1: we have a series to preview. The Toronto <laughs> Raptors. <laughs> let's, just,
0: let's just let's just be mean to each other for thirty minutes.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, the Raptors, when you were in Washington, uh, the Friday to which you were referring, they defeated the Washington Wizards. They won the series four games to two. They took care of things in s- not. You know, not emphatic fashion, but I think within the range, like safely within the range of reasonable outcomes for that series for a team that was first in the East against a pretty good eight seed. And really, they had one half that was troublesome and worrisome. And there weren't any big picture trends to take out of that series that are, oh, no, the old Raptors or this isn't working. Uh, Fred Van vleet's now moving something closer to healthy. OG Ananobi is healthy. Uh, The Raptors escaped the Wizards series in pretty good shape uh, overall and narratively. Would you agree with that, Eric?
0: Yeah. I I mean, there were certainly moments, uh, most notably down the stretch in Game 4, where you could worry about them. Uh, DeMar DeRozan had an uneven series, I would say. There were a few games he was absolutely great and a few games where uh, he was not, and then a few games where he sort of along for the ride, and it makes you wonder, should he really have this much of the offense? Um, but, overall, he, he was he was good, certainly better than he's been before, and he was not forcing as much as he's done before when things haven't been going his way. I, it was very nice to see him adjust in Game 5. uh at, as, uh, as that game went down the stretch and see what was working, see what wasn't working for him and, uh, respond accordingly. Uh, the defense, uh, seemed to figure things out well enough. The mid-series adjustment of giving Pascal Siakam more time on John Wall was crucial, I would say. Uh, Siakam was excellent on Wall. Uh, the, uh, and, and part of that might just be a factor of, of the wizards fatigue it was two games in a row where washington sort of oh
1: we're going to talk fatigue eric sputtered
0: yeah sputtered uh down the stretch and you know in both of those games john wall and bradley beal were pushing 40 minutes and having a huge role in the offense and then you put a guy as active and long as siakam on on john wall in the fourth quarter and if the guy starts to force some bad shots or turn the ball over more than you might think it's sort of understandable uh and I, i think the two really really good signs first of all kyle lowry was great i think he was uh when considering everything probably the best player in the series definitely the best raptor in the series uh sort of wiping away the as we've discussed flawed narrative that he can't perform in the playoffs. Uh, But even from just a shooting standpoint, as that series went on, he just got better and better and and ended the sixth game with uh, something we hadn't seen a lot in the first five games, which was him scoring from the paint uh, and really getting into the heart of uh, that defense such as it is. He went full Caleb. Yeah. Uh, And then Jonas Valanciunas being able to uh, close out games and acting as... You know, spacing, not from the traditional sense of shooting that we talk about it, but as sort of somebody who draws attention, uh, as a diver while not giving up too much on the other end. Uh, that was great, great to see. The calves prevent, present a different challenge. Uh, they have lineups that, you know, might scare the raptors away from using Valentunas at times. But uh, to see him have such a pivotal role in fourth quarters against uh, in the playoffs, that's something we've been building a long time toward.
1: Also something we've been building a long time toward, uh, a third shot for the Raptors at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Two years ago, uh, the not plucky upstart, but a team that appeared to finally be breaking through in the playoffs, uh, won a pair of seven-game series. Drew the Cleveland Cavaliers, it took them to six games. The series was not that close. The Cavs blew out, blew the Raptors out in every one of their victories. Uh, it was somehow a gentleman's sweep in six, it felt like, w- once it was done. But the Raptors, you know, it was a huge step forward for them la- that year. Last year, second round of the playoffs, Raptors get just punked. They they are beaten fairly, without, without much drama in, in the first two games. Uh, Kyle Lowry gets injured. Cleveland sweeps from there. The Raptors reset their culture. They're back here.
0: The ungentlemanly sweep. Yes, the very yeah, the villainous sweep. I don't yes. know what the, the, mu- bu- the, bust- the mustache twirling uh, yes. sweep. Yes,
1: uh, yeah, mustache. Yeah, we're going we're going vaudeville with it. <laughs> it's the silent movie of LeBron drinking a beer and spinning a basketball while tweaking his mustache. Was last year when. Or was it the year before when the Cavs had like the drama of Kevin Love's celebration that looked like he was smoking a joint, but they said it was a mustache twirl?
0: I really don't know. That uh, happened at some point, right? I'm not making that I, up. I I don't remember it, but I it seems too specific for you to be making it up. Uh, anyway, let's let's just agree that it happened.
1: All right. <laughs> anyway,
0: it's a better I, sp- it's a better story than, than it not happening. Yeah, I could <laughs> okay. look it up.
1: No, it's fine. Uh, I believe Kevin Love pretended to smoke a joint at one point and then covered it by saying he was twirling a fake mustache. I believe. Uh, Anyway, that's not relevant to this. Um, The Raptors are getting their third crack at the Cavaliers. It has all been building towards this. Uh, We could talk a lot of narrative stuff. Um, You've columned up. I've columned up. I think people probably know the big picture what's at stake here, and it's, you know, it's not everything, but it's something close to everything, depending on how the playoffs, how this series shakes out. Uh, We are going to get a little more granular than that and talk about some of the matchup stuff, because, um, you know, that column-level stuff is best saved for columns, and I think people, you know, I don't think we're going to convince anyone either way, that's kind of more of a post-series podcast topic anyway, so... Let me interrupt
0: you briefly, Uh, the Kevin Love... Thing was in 2014. Oh, wow. Wait. Uh, with Kyrie Irving. Uh, it, it was a joint uh, celebration, and the Cavaliers had to come out themselves and clarify that what Love and Irving were doing was sharpening mustaches. Sharpening mustaches. No, yeah. Which is no less stupid, editorializes the Bleacher Report, but very least it's something that people will get less worked up over than perceived drug references.
1: Sure. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, thanks thanks for that, Eric. Thanks for fact-checking. You're,
0: you're welcome. The mustache sharpening. We uh, only want truths, full truths on this podcast.
1: All right, so in preparation for this series, I went through all of the Cleveland data and lineups and matchups and rewatched the old games and it's not useless. But the Cavaliers. (laughs) (laughs) The Cavaliers played 22 different players. They used 29 different starting lineups. They used four different starting lineups in the first round of the playoffs. Not only that, in the first round of the playoffs, their. Where is this here? Where's my note sheet? There we go. Their three most commonly used. First of all, their three most commonly used lineups in the regular season. Uh, made up entirely of guys still on the roster, played 104, 57, and 50 minutes together during the season. Those three cool. lineups combined to play one minute in the first round. Their three <laughs> most commonly used lineups in the first round played a total of 15 minutes together in the regular season. Now, you can juggle fivesomes and still know a lot of about a team and how they operate and stuff. The personnel overhauls here are pretty dramatic, um, the toughest thing to figure is which way the Cavaliers are going to start. We have an idea of who their 10 guys in the rotation are going to be. Um, I, I would guess that you'll see 11 at some point because you can't keep a good man like Jose Calderon down. Uh, and you just know that he's going to swing a game for Cleveland and my heart's going to shatter. But you know you know roughly the 11 guys the Cavs are going to use. Uh, do you have a sense of which starting five they might roll with to start this series, Eric?
0: Absolutely not. Uh, You know, the traditional thing, uh, the orthodox thing to do would be to start the game that, the, the lineup that just won you a game seven, but that lineup had a great first quarter and then a terrible third quarter. So, <laughs> I mean... That lineup, by uh, the
1: way, um, for those who didn't catch Game 7 or forget, uh, LeBron James started a point guard in that game. Kevin Love shifted over to the four. Tristan Thompson drew in as the starting center. Um, so, yeah, that's uh,
0: that's certainly and, one and as I, And as I like to point out, Uh, LeBron James did not start at point guard. LeBron James started at LeBron James. There just happened to be no smaller player with uh, vague ball-handling skills on the floor.
1: Yeah. Pipe, that's it. Earl Earl was the closest thing, so.
0: Yeah. Although, Uh, actually, Kevin Love might have been second on
1: the point guard depth chart in that lineup.
0: (laughs) Anyhow, uh, like... I don't know. If I had to guess, I guess I would, uh, pick that lineup. But I think, you know, we talked about this earlier today. I think eventually they're going, uh, you know, in game one and eventually to start, they're going to go to a lineup with Kevin Love as the, the only real big man yes. on the floor and surround LeBron with as many shooters as they can. Uh, and, that's a tough lineup to deal with for the Raptors. It, you know, it almost will be impossible for it to be a good defensive lineup for the Cavs, but they're not a good defensive team. So it's not like they have all of these options uh sitting and waiting. And, you know, Tristan Thompson probably, you know, I really like Tristan Thompson. I think he's a really useful player, but he's only going to provide so much resistance against Jonas Valanciunas. Valanciunas, you know, has about... Three inches and uh, who knows how many pounds on Thompson Several and pounds. who else? Yes, who else are you looking at? Larry Nance. It's yeah, Larry, same Nance, sort of,
1: oh. Larry Nance. Larry started a few games at center. Um, generally, yes. has played the four off the bench. If Tristan's also coming off the bench.
0: Yeah, it's the same sort of story though. So, you know, what does that serve the Cavs against somebody like Valanciunas? If anything, it just makes it easier for the Raptors to play their most effective offensive players. And I think at some point, if not right away, the Cavs are going to get away from that uh, because that's sort of playing into the Raptors' hands.
1: Yeah. That's how I would, I... No, I would agree with that completely. So basically, if you're the Cavs, you're in a spot where, you know, you can – like the roster is best balanced if you start Tristan Thompson at center – that way you're not, you know, you're not overextending your wing depth. You're not, you don't have two kind of centers coming off the bench. You're not overtaxing LeBron James and Kevin Love. But yeah, you, you know, you're probably not going to win, or you might win those minutes, but like Tristan is not swinging those minutes for you. And you're probably better off with the James Love front court. Um, and then, you know, their bench has been a mess uh, a lot of the time. And part of that is probably unfamiliarity. um Jeff Green has started a little bit, which I guess that's one thing we could touch on. So if if Tristan were to start, obviously Jonas Valanciunas is not Tristan Thompson. Uh, if the Cavs go small, small error, and Jeff Green starts at one of the forward positions, uh, the Raptors put Jonas Valanciunas on Jeff Green in the last meeting, uh, and that worked to to a pretty decent effect. Uh, Jeff Green was they tried to funnel a lot of possessions toward him. He did not make particularly great use of them. Um, although the Cavs did, did well enough in those minutes, the other option. So say right now, what I've penciled in as eventually Cleveland will land here is George Hill, J.R. Smith, Kyle Corver, LeBron James, and Kevin Love. What that lineup then forces Toronto to do is trust Jonas Valanciunas to guard Kevin Love, which is fine if Kevin Love is operating like a nominal center, um, but he doesn't often does not. There there will be a lot of corner action that Jonas Valanciunas has to make decisions in and, and some flare screens and, and he'll have to be at his best. The other option is to stick him on J.R. Smith, which in years past would have seemed crazy. You seemed crazy. J.R. has some juice off the bounce. Um, he's a good three point shooter, but also we saw this to, you know, to a greater extent when the Raptors had Bismack Biyombo and he could sit in the corner off of Amon Schumpert. And help at the rim. Jonas Valanciunas is not the rim protector that Bismack Biyombo is, um, and, and then also Jr Smith is not the the black hole on offense that Amon Schumper was. The logic is still there though, where Val, you're putting Valanciunas on the guy least likely to create for himself. Uh, what would you do? So if the if the Cavs come out, Jeff Green is not starting. Kevin Love is starting at center. Um, has Valanciunas shown you enough that you start out with Amon on Love? Do you do you are you switching everything one through five in, in those situations and just kind of you know, hoping you don't get the the LeBron-Valanciunas matchup. What are you doing
0: there? Yeah, I'm certainly not switching everything. Uh, you switch certain certain actions. They already
1: switch too much.
0: So yeah, um, I I I wouldn't want to get too reliant on that. Uh, when I think you really need to be careful, who you switch LeBron onto, or who you switch onto LeBron in, in this series. Like there's two guys who basically give you half a chance and then there's everybody else and you know, everybody else is going to need to chip in because there are only so many fouls and, and only, you know, sometimes you can't avoid switching, but I, I think you, you probably want to be, be careful with that. Uh, I think, uh, I start with and on love in that scenario, see how it goes, uh, see how the calves use love, Uh, because if a is, you know, therefore on Smith, he's also a pretty damn good rim protector and he can, he can serve that purpose. Uh, so I think I start there and if it looks problematic quickly, you just switch it up. Uh, and I do that before I start thinking about taking, you know, one or both off, off the court. That makes sense. i, I do you start lineup.
1: Oh yeah, so I'm I, not. It would yeah. look things would have to get pretty dicey for me to consider changing the starting lineup, given how well the Raptors scored against the Cavs, um, and you know the fact that I mean part of it is the fact that Kevin Love doesn't look like Kevin Love again yet. Um, that kind of colors things. But Balanchunas has earned earned the shot at it, and he's earned more than you know one one game where Love gets some threes. Uh, I think anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had a, he had a great playoff series. You know, he was one of the most important players on the Raptors in that win. And, uh, you know, he's earned this. Let's see it. Let's give him a chance. Uh, you know, not that you don't ride with a different, uh, front court down the stretch if, if it's working for you or if you think you need some more versatility on the floor, but he doesn't deserve the, you know, after three minute hook that we've seen. Uh, in years past against the Warriors or, or whoever it might be. Uh, the starting lineup, it's very good. It was very good against Washington. It was fine against Cleveland this year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let's see it.
1: Also, you know who's very terrible at defending the pick-and-roll and at the same time who is uh, very, very dangerous when he's the screen setter in the pick-and-roll? Pick roll. The Cleveland Cavaliers and Jonas Valanciunas. The Raptors yeah. scored at... Ludicrous rates when Valentinus was the screen setter against the Wizards. And the Wizards are uh, a better pick-and-roll defense than the Cavs are.
0: Terry, uh, I just have the, the TV on the starters. I didn't see that Terry Rogier had come in on a, with a Drew Bledsoe jersey on one come game. Come on. I didn't see that. That is yeah.
1: amazing. Yeah. Wow.
0: The NBA is the best league.
1: It is very good. Very good stuff. Okay, uh, other matchup stuff that we should look at. Um, weirdly, I don't think this is a super interesting series in terms of how the Cavs guard uh, the Raptor stars. The Cavs are the same kind of trapping team that we've seen from recent years. Uh, they They don't operate dissimilarly in their base defense to what Washington tried to do over the first six or seven quarters of the last series. And we saw how that worked out. Obviously, it's uh, it's big for the Raptors role players then to make plays and the guys to make good reads. Um, George Hill in the past has been a pretty good Kyle Lowry defender. George Hill, also not at 100% right now, uh, was on a minutes restriction in Game 7, so he only played the second half. I think he played 17 straight minutes. Um, so I think the expectation is that he'll be on a minutes restriction out of the gate in this series. Uh, but he's done a nice job on Lowry in the past. J.R. Smith has done... Probably the best job of any of the Cavaliers on DeMar DeRozan. Um, Statistically, by matchup data, he did the best job on Victor Oladipo uh, in the last series, kind of slightly limiting Oladipo's effectiveness while Oladipo went off against everyone else. Uh, I would assume Smith draws the initial assignment if the Raptors... Maybe Jeff Green if Jeff Green starts, but I don't think Jeff Green's going to start. And, uh, you know, I would think LeBron James is hiding on OG Ananobi in the corner um, because LeBron James is going to want to take these defensive possessions off. Are you looking for anything outside of that from the Cavs' defense? Do you think there's, you know, a cross match they'll be looking for or, or something in particular the Raptors can look to exploit?
0: No, like in the past you'd be worried about, like, what happens when LeBron starts decides I have to guard LeBron or, or uh, what happens when LeBron decides I have to guard Demar. Um, what happens when, when the Cavaliers come to that situation? But the thing about the Cavs this year is they can't afford to tax LeBron any more than they're taxing him. And it's almost all coming on the offensive end. Uh, and even with that, we saw him slipping significantly on the defensive end, you know, and getting back in transition on occasion. Uh, not that he's, he, he's half-assing it. Certainly not, but. A man only has so much energy to give. Uh, I think J.R. Smith has done a decent job on DeMar DeRozan in the past. Uh, can, I,
1: can I just, sorry, I, I just want to interrupt for one second. It's
0: very weird to me that we
1: just like, like I, I'm catching myself now that I just totally glossed over J.R. Smith as like an offensive threat and maybe someone you can hide a guy on. And now we're talking about him as the most reasonable guy to check DeMar DeRozan. J.R. Smith has turned a weird corner this year.
0: 2018 baby it's uh nothing's like it was
1: anyway continue. Uh, sorry sorry i just it was super weird to me as that was coming out of our mouths
0: yeah uh hill was great against lowry in the indiana toronto series of 2016 it's good that he's on a minute restriction <laughs> from a raptors perspective uh again he's not the same player as he was in 2016 he's suffered a few more injuries has slowed a bit but he, he's one of those you know bigger guards with a bigger wingspan uh, and just smarts that can make him uncomfortable but we should also remember that Kyle Lowry's playing in a different way than he was in 2016 he uh, doesn't use quite as many pick and rolls he, he operates as a as a shooter and somebody coming around screens, you know, far more than he did in 2016. So that's, that's something to look for. Uh, with LeBron, it'll be interesting to see if they put him on Ibaka a little bit too. Uh, oh god, this is
1: such a big Ibaka series and it's terrifying.
0: Yeah, because that's somebody you, who you could hide a resting defender on sometimes. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, The the other point about Hill, I want to make and I'm going to make it in my video breakdown tomorrow. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not going to dive into it because it's the absence of something and it's hard to show the absence of something on video. Uh, But one thing the Raptors have done a lot of in the last two meetings with the Cavs in the playoffs is hunt a lot of 2-1 pick and roll. And what that means is uh, DeMar DeRozan will have the ball. They'll have Kyle Lowry screen for him. Um, because they know a lot of teams will switch a guard, guard, pick and roll. And then DeMar DeRozan will attack either driving or or posting up against the point guard. And they could do that against Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving was not a particularly great defender. Um, In playoffs, he tried a little harder sometimes, but not consistently. Uh, Early in the year, you saw them try to do it against Isaiah Thomas. Um, I think. Did Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, he played the one game. Um, okay. Yeah. And they, they definitely it did really against terrible. Isaiah Thomas that when they, Thomas that was that a
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so, this is something the Raptors have got away from it a lot this year because they it's kind of antithetical to how they want to operate the offense. Um, they don't want to clear out and let DeMar DeRozan attack a guy one on one off of a simple, you know, quick switch pick and roll all that often. Um, you can't do that with George Hill anyway. George Hill's probably too good of a defender um, for those situations. However, if our old friend Jose Calderon hits the court. Uh, That is something that I would dust off from the playbook, probably.
0: Jose Jose knows all of DeMar's moves, so... (laughs)
1: Sure. Look, also, on offense, this is a part of my video breakdown, too. Uh, If Jose Calderon gets cooking from mid-range again, I think the best defense is to either hug him or engage him in a really nice conversation.
0: (laughs) Uh, Just ask about his family, about his hog farm, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean... The super fan could be big in that regard, you would think. Drake maybe less so. Jose was more of a pre Drake guy. Yeah. But yeah, like. Jose
1: Cardinal.
0: Yeah, Demar. DeMar should just like start talking to him about like the 2010-11 season. Uh, That was fun. Remember when you were almost traded to Charlotte, and then Michael Jordan decided no. And then we got to spend another year together, and it was beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Not from um, a basketball perspective, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm, sure they, I'm sure they had a good time together. I'm sure they Shoot.
1: did. Uh, Jose Thanks, being yeah. around is going to be nice. It's. I mean, it's going to be nice so long as he's not, you know, scoring 18 points on, like, what, 9 of 10 shooting or whatever.
0: And even then, you'll feel kind of
1: good for him. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we should talk about that shooting because we could talk to death about the Raptors' matchups and the way they're going to line up. Uh, if things go as they did last year in the playoffs, it won't matter all that much. There was a game last year in the playoffs where the Cavs shot significantly better on well-contested shots than uncontested shots. Um, that is the shot-making that this team has in them, um, and that's the offensive ceiling they have. And, and the Raptors got a taste of that in the, two la- the last two regular season meetings. Uh, they do not look... Like, they're in that kind of a groove right now. Kyle Korver was one of the worst corner three-point shooters in the first round. Kevin Love had one of the worst effective field goal percentages. I forget the exact rank, but John Schumann made note of it in his uh, Schumann stat dump for Raptors Cavs. I do not think the Cavs are going... I don't think you can trust that they are going to shoot really poorly um, the entire series. One thing you can do, though, to, to make life a little tougher on them, and it's something that the Raptors have switched in and out of, when they've played LeBron teams the last few years is, and this has obviously been a big talking point the last two days, so I want your opinion on the best way to approach it. You can send lots of help at LeBron James. You can make LeBron James's scoring really difficult, and you can trust your scrambling and your rotations and make LeBron a passer. And that's going to get other players involved. And if those other players play like they did in the indie Series, you're probably okay. They're probably not going to play that way, though. The other option, then, is to guard LeBron James, the best player in the world, who just put up like four 40-point games and nearly average a triple-double over a playoff series, uh, one-on-one as much as you can. And that lets you stay at home on shooters so that James doesn't have help. And, you know, the Raptors know very, very well when your role players are limited like that it's tough to stay in a rhythm and it's maybe harder to make those shots when they do come Uh, maybe because the Cavs are a veteran team they're they're the oldest team in the playoffs compared to the second youngest for the Raptors maybe that's less of a concern because these guys have been there before Uh, but in general if you stay at home on those guys and you make LeBron do more of the work himself when he's already starting to at least claim that he's fatigued uh, you know that to me seems like the the better approach is if LeBron's going to beat you with four Herculean efforts over seven games, he's going to beat you. But in the words of Dwayne Casey today, you can't have three teammates have career nights against you. Are you, where do you fall on this? Because it's a kind of a, you know, it's this eternal basketball Sophie's choice here when it comes to LeBron James.
0: Can I tell you my thoughts on LeBron claiming he's tired?
1: He's uh yeah. Yeah. Tell me.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't doubt that like he's tired. I'm sure he is. Uh, it seems very difficult what he's doing. But he's making it so publicly known because in his last year as a Cleveland Cavalier, assuming that that's what it is, and I do think that's what it will end up being, he wants the record to show that he gave every last bit of himself to the cause. Yes, absolutely uh, that's the case. It is it's it is important that that is known on the record and has been stated. Uh, so... Is he tired? Yes. Is he overemphasizing it? I think so. I think probably. Uh, but, you know, he also had to leave the game with cramps yesterday. And that's, you know, does not bode well. And they're about to play seven times in 13 nights. And uh, it's a lot of basketball for somebody who claims he's tired. Uh a lot of, uh, of basketball. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, Might go crazy by the end of the series, but... You might? There, yeah, yeah, you might too. Nah, I'm fine. Yeah.
1: My mom texted really? me today like, uh, yeah, I'm fine. I love this, man. I would much rather... I do much worse when there is less work to focus on and I'm more aimless. At least now...
0: No, you got to like, think about yourself then. That's, yeah, exactly. That's right now, horror. I just like...
1: I wake up and I work until I go to sleep. And then... That's it. I like. I feel purposeful, and there's. I don't have to choose what to fill my time with or fill my brain with. I just kind of go on autopilot. It's
0: nice. The, one of the happiest moments of my recent uh, of my recent life <laughs> of the the recent past was when the Raptors won and the Pacers managed to win in Game Six, giving me a day off. Uh, it was just like so unlike the Raptors and basketball in general to conspire in my favor. favor. Like I was, I was riding high for a solid 16 hours there on that.
1: Yeah. Um, nice. Even I took an afternoon off. Yeah. I
0: even you. Dinner.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd e- like, look, man, I had to, I had to start series prep at some point. And
0: I, you know, obviously,
1: I obviously had to watch the Celtics bucks and Warriors Pelicans.
0: Even Landry. Even Landry. Um, no, it was that year where, uh, the Raptors were talking about everybody contributing, oh, and right. Kyle was going down the list, and he said, even Landry contributed tonight, referring yeah. to Landry Fields. Oh, uh, he's doing okay. Yeah, he was uh, at the 905 championship
1: game when they lost to Austin.
0: He's a scout for the Spurs, right? He is. Or does he work yeah. for, the, he works for the, Spurs. the 905 team? Or the, the G League team? I think he's
1: a scout. I'm pretty sure he's a scout. But he yeah. was also at the G League showcase. Um, he's looking good kept yeah. himself in good shape, was always moderately handsome. Good for
0: him. Yeah. Anyway, back to your question, which you posed five minutes ago. Uh, I think, Listen, smartass. No, it was my fault. I, I, I took it on that tangent. I'm claiming responsibility. Uh, I'll put my hand up like Kyle Lowry when he acknowledges he has a foul. And, you know, if there were a ref here, I'd tap him on the butt. Say good job. Keep doing it. Um... I think they have to, they have to handle things one on one as much as they can. Uh, I might differ in the post. I I think that's an area where you can get creative with your schemes to help, uh, where you, you can, if you force the right pass, which is very hard to do by right, I mean like one that will require them to make another pass and another pass. Uh, it will, it's easier to recover from that. And, you know, I think One of the biggest things, which I touched on in my story about Pascal Siakam at The Athletic today, is LeBron in the post is a terror for the Raptors. Uh, They just—not that it's not a terror for a lot of teams, but the Raptors in particular don't have a lot of of good options to to deal with that scenario. Uh, Yeah, and and I'm going to break it
1: down a little bit in my video post tomorrow. Um, Basically, the Raptors all year— their defenses thrive by not sending a lot of help towards stuff. They guard the pick and roll two on two. They stay at home on corner shooters. Only one team in basketball did a better job limiting opponent corner threes. The one time that they consistently do help, though, is on post-ups. And, and what'll happen is you'll see it, it. It's, you know, they'll tweak the they'll tweak the scheme a little bit. But on a post-up, you don't want you don't want a guy, especially a guy who's as talented a scorer as LeBron James and is as strong as LeBron James, to get middle. So what the Raptors. What OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and maybe Serge Ibaka and hope not, but maybe Norman Powell are going to try to do is they'll try to funnel James toward the baseline. Uh, The center will slide over to kind of act so there's kind of a. You kind of corner the. You You wall him off.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: you wall him off. You use the baseline as an extra defender. The, the LeBron's defender angles him that way, and then the center slides over, and what happens behind that is you, usually depending on how the floor is balanced, you have two guys zoning up for three guys outside the arc, or, or one guy zoned up to cover two shooters, and someone else is in the opposite corner, um, yeah. and it's tough, because LeBron James can make every conceivable pass on a basketball court.
0: Yeah, we saw we saw that against, even with John Wall, who's yes. obviously not as big, and he made that one pass one time. He made the pass to Mike Scott along the baseline while being forced. It was ridiculous. In that direction. Now, the, a, the Raptors bot- botched that they, coverage. Yeah. How did it, how did the botching happen again? Uh,
1: the the guy who was zoned up and should have been hovering between Mike Scott and another shooter also came into the paint. It, like, two, two bigs helped. Yeah. If I'm okay. remembering correctly. I think Valanciunas and Ibaka both slid over in what's called a base go where they, they kind of slide over yeah. to, to seal that off. Um, and there was, a, there were also a couple where wall posted up and right. And wall's timing on this was great. And I don't know if Cleveland has a big to do it. And I don't know if Kevin Love is healthy enough to do it, but Larry Nance could probably could probably do it. And you could do it with a non big too. But, um, the second Jonas Valanciunas attention goes to that post double, um, uh, or that post help. I shouldn't call it a double cause it's not a straight double, but as, as soon as it comes, then that guy's man cuts toward the rim and Valanciunas yeah, we, or whoever's
0: back I saw that sorry continue
1: No, it was just you're you're about to point out the, go, the Gortat baskets, right?
0: No, as well. It happened in game 7 uh Cavs Pacers uh yesterday the 2nd of of those four LeBron post-ups Tristan Thompson slid over yeah. uh, and got a like a you know, he pumped fake somebody and got a virtual dunk. Yeah. Uh, and and because...
1: Gortat had a few of those. So Mhm. And look, if Gortat's doing it to you, and there's the one highlight where Gortat cuts, gets a dunk, and spends like the next 20 seconds hammering his own forearm, trying to tell the refs that he got
0: fouled. Well, I think that happened in Game 6, that happened, and Serge swatted him from behind. Yeah. If I remember, that was the same play. It was like the only thing that Serge Ibaka did in all of Game 6. Yeah.
1: Um, if I if I may, now that the series is done, um, I could admit, I find Gortat endlessly entertaining. I know a lot of people, a lot of Raptors fans in you
0: particular... Could have, you could have admitted that beforehand. No,
1: I don't... People, Raptors fans get mad. People were mad at me falling in love with Kelly Oubre, and then obviously not not now that he, he is deceased at the hands of DeLon Wright, but...
0: Well, that means he's just coming back and we'll kill him. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. I don't know how, how all that works, but, you know... Uh, that was the weird... I, I was not in that scrum with Kelly Oubre, but it was, like, so deferential... Uh and be like, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean to start anything, you know, we or in the same class. I support him. Uh and by the way, if you're gonna get in a war with somebody, you don't want to get in a war with me, because if you kill me, I'm gonna come back from the dead and kill you.
1: Yeah. It was very <laughs> like, it was very Yeah. It was very Rick James, Charlie Murphy. Yeah.
0: It's like I would never
1: anyway. do something like that. Yeah, I remember doing
0: that. Uh <laughs> oh, I'm and then John Wall subtweeted Marcin Gortat for the enti- his entire post uh, post season exit interview uh, with the media. I yes. feel bad for Jean. Screw the Wiz.
1: Yeah, yeah That was not a that was not a great way for them to
0: go out. Yeah, yeah. You know how everybody was talking about how you guys hated each other. You're really you know making those people look right. Yeah. All
1: right, Eric. We're already forty minutes in, so we should get to a couple. Let's let's talk quick some quick hitters. Movies. Yeah. The All-Bench Unit, 340 minutes during the regular season with a robust plus 17.1 net rating. 10 minutes against the Cleveland Cavaliers, minus 24.4 net rating. Now, there's obviously the giant caveat there that the only game the Raptors won where everyone, all the bench guys have great net ratings uh, for the most part because the Raptors won that game, that first game by like 33. But the All-Bench Unit didn't play together because Kyle Lowry sat. So DeLon Wright started, um, you didn't see very much of that. But yeah, every bench guy has a positive net rating on the year against the Cavs. Uh that lineup in its brief appearance in the first round was pretty effective. Are you running it out there knowing that it's paramount in this series that you win the minutes that LeBron James is on the bench?
0: Sure I am. Uh I mean, we saw what they can do in game 6 when they were reunited. Uh they deserve the shot. They've been doing this to subpar lineups all year, and if the Cavs are out there with without uh, LeBron James, they're fielding a subpar lineup. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter which five guys are on the floor. It's you know not good. Uh, I don't think I'm like. Do you think I'm wrong about this? Like no. maybe it's better than you know the Sacramento Kings' second unit, but. They're not good. They yeah. they aren't that functional. Yeah, and, and we don't know at, what. At the Ra- and the oh. Raptors lineup, the second unit lineup, knows exactly what to do, exactly how to play with each other. And the biggest advantage the Raptors have over the Cavs, beyond anything in the series, is that certainty and identity, uh, and knowing yourself, uh, to to borrow from Toronto's poet laureate. Yeah, that's a. Uh...
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the, the one thing to watch for me will be at which point in games LeBron James takes his his little breathers.
0: It's his three minutes uh, off, yeah.
1: Yeah, like he played, what, 288 minutes over seven games? So he was averaging 41 minutes. So you've got like these little windows um, – and I, that,
0: I that includes game six and what she didn't play in all of the fourth because they were losing by 30. So right. In
1: the regular uh, season, his his break periods did line up most often with when the all bench would play. It's the top of the second and then less at the top of the fourth. Um, I would assume whenever LeBron checks back in in the fourth, if he has sat, maybe you, you probably call on Kyle Lowry and go with whatever version of the Lowry and bench unit. Looks like it makes the most sense that game. Um, obviously, the Raptors still haven't had to use that unit a ton, but shocker, it is still good all the time. Lowry and any four guys, um, literally
0: any four guys.
1: Uh, I guess uh, I guess we should I should ask about Lowry and DeRozan's minutes in general. They average 36 each and change in the first round. Uh, do those numbers come up in this series? Because again, you really can't squander the minutes LeBron James is on the bench, and you probably can't risk any minutes with LeBron James on the floor and neither of your own stars
0: out there? Well, I think you're going to see some of those, uh, but that's beside the point. Um, Well, it's not beside the point, but we obviously can't know until, till it happens. But I suspect we see at least a few of those minutes where the all bench, you know, unit or something like it is playing while LeBron is on the floor. Short leash, though, Uh, I would guess that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely a short leash. But I I think it's proven the way that unit plays and that unit excelling and being given an opportunity beyond, like, an opportunity for show, I think is sort of essential to to how this team views itself. Um, And, look, that stuff doesn't matter as much if you're down in a playoff game. But it still matters, and it's a long – you know, I think it's going to be a long series, and you don't want to show an obvious uh, lack of faith in uh, one of the pillars of uh, who you are. Uh, Now I've forgotten what the question was. The Uh, question
1: was just um, where the minutes land for Lowry and DeRozan if they come up in 36.
0: I I think maybe they come up a little bit. Uh, I don't imagine – Lowry's minutes will come up that much. Uh, I think you know they one, uh, I think yeah um, I think they thought that he uh, what he had to play in game four. He was a little burned out. I'm, I'm not sure that that's the conclusion I would draw from that that game. Yeah. Uh, Look, neither of them hit the 40 minute
1: marker in the first round. So. Yeah. So. There's room uh, for them to play a little bit more if they need to.
0: So. For sure. For sure. And the longer the series goes, and assuming uh, they're having decent series, I think you know at least one of them finds their way in into forty for for one or two games. but you know, I don't think they go out in game one and all of a sudden they're both playing thirty nine or forty minutes. I'd be surprised with that.
1: Yeah, that would be that' be a little surprising. I think
0: it's, not, it's not plan. it's just something to tweak as things go on.
1: Gotcha. Uh, okay, game one. Is how important? Obviously, like there's seven games; they all count the same. Uh, It feels to me like, given that this is this will be the only time the the Raptors have a real rest advantage, that they've talked up the value of home court, that maybe their confidence hinges a little bit on how they come out and and play Cleveland out of the gate. Uh, Do you feel that game one has like a pretty immense importance compared to maybe games two, three, and four um, in, in terms of determining? how this series is going to feel and how it's going to how it's gonna go for the
0: Toronto? Yeah, I mean, I think every home game does. Uh, I think they haven't won a meaningful game in Cleveland in, in quite some time. And to not go up to nothing, there'd be a lot of, not necessarily from inside, but it, it would be natural to have some doubts if you're going back 1-1 or, you know, Heaven forbid, 0-2. But yeah, game one for sure, given the rest advantage they have, takes on a huge importance. Uh, They want to, as quickly as you can wash the memory of those last two regular season games against the Cavs uh, away, uh, you know, you should try to do so. By the way, watching
1: those games back, um, they're actually, I think, more encouraging than discouraging. Despite yeah. The losses.
0: Like the uh, fact that get, Cleveland's. Sorry. Go, go ahead. The first game, I was pretty much encouraged. I thought Cleveland made a lot of really hard shots, and LeBron played one of his greatest games ever. Uh, yeah. Second game, I was at, and games I'm at, like you get more, you get more feel and atmosphere and sense of, of flow, but you do, it's harder to break down. If that makes sense Uh, from an X and O standpoint. So I just thought they were, they looked a bit, they felt a bit defeated all night. But Lebron, Kyle Lowry also had one of the three or four no-show games he'll have all year after. Uh, I'm not saying they're related, but maybe they're related after his trip to uh, San Antonio for going out. And the other Uh,
1: game, the one that you mentioned that was a little better, was like their ninth game in 16 days or something. It was at the end of that ridiculous stretch um, of schedule. And, yeah, in both cases, obviously, I think the thing that concerns me most about the series, other than just the general specter of LeBron, is that this Cavs team, for all their flaws, has still been pretty deadly when games are on the line late. They went 30-15, and in games that went to a clutch situation. They had the number two clutch net rating in basketball behind, I think, only the Warriors. Um, And even their defense sniffs, like, respectability in the fourth quarter. They were the number 11 fourth quarter defense in the league. Um, The Raptors were the number one fourth quarter defense in the league. uh, And their clutch stats are kind of skewed by the fact that they pulled themselves out of clutch situations a lot of the time. But the fact that... You know, those two games kind of showed you can play a decent game and put yourself in a position to win. But if it's tied with four minutes left, you know, it's very difficult to beat LeBron as the game narrows further and further and the sample gets smaller. Which is, it's almost counterintuitive because, you know, you would think LeBron would win over the larger sample because he's so good. But because he's so often pulling the team above their true talent level... Um, the shorter the game gets, effectively, the, the deadlier LeBron seems to be. At least with this group around him. So. Um, well, you
0: know why you know why that is.
1: Because of the refs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for the Scott Foster, Tony Brothers, Kane Fitzgerald trio in Game One.
0: <laughs> is that the actual trio, or you We just...
1: won't know until 9 a.m. Yeah, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, okay. I didn't think we knew the day before, but, if, but for some reason you know. But, but all uh, three of Mark those
1: Davis, names Mark and Davis Mark Davis. Davis yeah. yeah, all three of those names and Mark Davis on the second round list for for potential officials. So uh,
0: get
1: ready, five on eight, baby. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's okay. they they've been groomed for this.
1: Yeah, um, I did uh, think it yeah, was
0: obviously getting into a you know a few possession like you know into a late game situation where it's very close and each possession means more and more and more with. One of the greatest players of all time, who can create something in any scenario, is terrifying yeah. because you saw it with the, Raptors the Raptors don't have that, and almost no team has that.
1: Indiana won that seven-game series by more than a losing team has ever won a seven-game series. They they outscored Cleveland by forty.
0: I, I mean, yeah, they won. They also won a game by thirty-five, but they were the better team. Yeah. Uh, my the better point. Team my team. point is that
1: you almost have to win those games by decent margins because it's just too dangerous when it gets like, like you have to be up seven or eight to, to be like, there, I don't think there's going to be a time where the, where anyone's comfortable heading yeah. into say the last six minutes, if the Raptors aren't up double digits or the last four minutes, if yeah. they're not up seven or eight, um, you need that cushion. And that's not to say the Raptors can't close out. Cause again, their fourth quarter defense is very good. Uh, their process on the offensive side has mostly trended in the right direction over the course of the season, but yeah, this is that those scenarios in particular where LeBron's Lebronness uh, play up. So,
0: yeah, the Pacers won Game Three and, and made a comeback in what was a close game. Uh, as for the other games, like uh, Indy blew them out twice, and Cleveland won pretty close games four times. And there's your series. Uh, so it's a, it's a scary thing, LeBron. He presents some issues.
1: Yeah, he does. All right, Eric, uh, we are pushing an hour, which is crazy for this podcast.
0: Uh, yeah, let's go home.
1: Yeah, let's. I go mean, home.
0: We're, we're both we're both home, but yeah,
1: yeah. Let's you go play with Walter. And uh, all right, I know you just wrote about this, but Pascal Siakam is your non X factor for this series, right?
0: Yeah, I think he's too—I mean, I don't even know what X-Factor means anymore. Uh, like, I assume people just mean non-star who could have an impact on the series. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that's what X-Factor—anyway, let it be known that I don't know what X-Factor means. I just think Pascal Siakam is it really important. It was x top
1: Finisher when he was a member of D-Generation X.
0: That's— Oh, that's what it means. Yes, that's what um, it means. Uh, Anyway, yeah, Pascal Siakam, really important to the series, both for what he does in, on LeBron, how he handles LeBron in the post, because that would seem to be a particularly, you know, I, I like Pascal Siakam's defense in all other scenarios on LeBron as much as you can sort of like anybody's defense in any scenario against LeBron, but the post is you know a huge huge advantage for LeBron in that matchup. So we'll see how that happen, how that goes. And then obviously OG uh is very important as well.
1: Yeah, OG's going to be huge. I have no reason to be nervous, he says.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's just the best. Yeah, he's He's short his, he's had some great short OG quotes this uh these playoffs. Um I mean led by he punched me for no reason. That was the best one. Or he punched <laughs> me for no reason. Yeah. Um,
1: also, him, him. I know everyone got up in arms that none of the Raptors... We talked about this a little bit. That none of the Raptors came to his defense when Marquise Morris was talking smack to, Or maybe I talked about this with Will, um, my other
0: podcast friend. I'm not Will. Yeah. Um, anyway. For the last time.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I was watching it back and... Uh, when Markef comes over to the Raptors bench and is talking back to OG, OG totally just, like, he doesn't even say in a sentence. He just looks at him and says the word, bitch. <laughs> it's just like, that's it. it. It was exactly as if, like, Markeith Morris was in an OG scrum, and he's like, what are you going to say? What, what do you think of me? And he just, one word answer, eh, bitch.
0: It seems it like a, a t shirt. Part, part
1: it seems like a t
0: shirt waiting to happen, just OG Blake stare followed by that word. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I there are many good OG t shirts that can be made. Yeah.
1: Uh, just his faces. The many faces of OG and
0: yeah. Uh I'm to think
1: if there's anything we didn't touch on, I mean obviously you can't touch on everything even in an hour podcast, but uh do you have any parting shots, anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to to put out there?
0: Um do we want to make predictions? Yes, no.
1: We can do predictions, yeah. Uh
0: at the beginning of the playoffs, I picked Cavs and Six in this series, which I saw happening and was correct. I'm going to Raptors and 7 I think they're going to outlast them. And I think, you know, I'm giving LeBron two games just by virtue of being LeBron. Um, and I think it's going to be nerve wracking. And I think, you know, the, the Cavs, there's a mental hurdle here as, as well as a very real physical one, but the Raptors are just deeper. And, you know, you saw the Pacers when it came down to it played nine guys. Uh, and, you know, all but benched a few of those guys who even played. You know, Corey Joseph was down to 10 minutes or so, and uh, Lance Stevenson didn't play much more. I think it was a minus 19 and 12 minutes in Game 7. Uh, but it's not going to happen with the Raptors. They can play a lot of guys over a lot of, you know, a... a sh- short seven game series for as long as seven series games seven game series can be this one will be basically as short as possible and i think that wins out at the end uh in con- conjunction with the very uneven supporting cast uh i think maybe the indiana performance means we're not giving enough credit to the india the the calves role players there are a bunch of guys who can get hot there and 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 have meaningful roles we saw that with george hill and tristan thompson on on sunday but overall it's just the raptors are a better team that often hasn't mattered with lebron i think we're at a point where it starts to
1: all right that is uh that is fair so i'm torn uh i sat and stared at raptors in seven for a really long time and the way I got to a different prediction is not the way you're supposed to analyze things and make a prediction. Uh, but I I think the Raptors are the better team. I think that that should win out. I think that it's important to basketball as to get really meta. I think it's important to basketball that the way the Raptors have changed themselves res- comes with a different result. I think it's important that the league... You know, that there are teams like Portland or Milwaukee or whomever see that you can keep going in the same direction and change things and get different results and and that it's not, you know, basketball is not inevitable and built only on star power. So I want all of these things to happen because I think they're important. I cannot bring myself to pick against LeBron James in a Game 7, though. I just, I wouldn't do it. There's no, there's no team... There's no there's no team the Raptors could trot out there and no way the Raptors could have played the first six games where I would feel comfortable picking them against the Cavaliers in seven. So what I've come to is that <laughs> Raptors, Raptors in six now makes more sense to me, even though I feel like the series will be close enough. like I feel like it'll feel like a seven-game series by how close it's played, but because I can't pick the Raptors to, I can't bring myself to pick the Raptors to win a game seven against LeBron. I'm going to pick the Raptors in six and just hope the margin for error swings that way. But like, I think, I think the Cavs winning a game seven is more likely than the Raptors winning a game seven, even though I think the Raptors, you know, are probably 55-45 to win the series. So uh, I'm picking Raptors in six because I have to pick a number and I don't trust them in a game seven. So this is my backwards way of. Yeah, that's, into Raptors in six.
0: That's great. The Raptors... I think not enough to win a, series or yeah, good the series, you good to win one game. Yeah, the Raptors are the better team, but I don't trust them so much in, the, in this circumstance. And I know it's not about a lack of trust, it's about trusting somebody else yes. more. Yes, it's, it's about like, the I know, I don't trust, it's
1: not about the Raptors. I'm don't not trust
0: saying... I much in that circumstance that I'm going to pick them to win in fewer games. Yes, <laughs> it,
1: this is it. It's like, I'm so unsure... And I'm going to pick a, le- a less likely outcome because I'd be even more unsure in that one scenario. I trust them more yeah. to win four times in six games than I trust them to win one time in one game.
0: Yeah, that checks out. I'm, I'm yeah. sure no mathematicians would be on you about that.
1: Look, I did, after I after I locked in my prediction and wrote it, because obviously I'm not going to look at the, the odds for each potential series outcome until... Uh, Until I've locked mine, and that wouldn't be fair. Uh, The analytic models showed Raptors in five as the most likely of the eight possible outcomes. Obviously, those models don't account for the things like the regular season not mattering or all the roster overhaul that the the Cavs had and LeBron being LeBron and things like that. Um, I believe Raptors in six and Raptors in seven were the two most likely or the two like um, most Favorite odds of the of the four yeah. potential of the eight potential options, um, so yeah, do with that what uh,
0: what you will. There's some calves and six money to be made. That's all I'm saying. That's uh, I think I, I'm not I'm not inclined to gamble at all uh, on sports. Not on this
1: damn series.
0: Um, I I just I've never really gambled on sports. Uh, but if I were looking at the odds and you're telling me calves and six is the like no higher than the fourth most likely bet, I would uh, I would bet on that,
1: yeah. I I think, yeah, anyway, I'm not getting any more (laughs) fine with this answer, um, yeah, I. Oddly, I used to bet on sports a lot more before I wrote about them full-time. I feel like now I probably know more.
0: Before um, before I became more informed, I could actually use that.
1: Yeah, but I also worked in an industry where I had more disposable income.
0: Ah, yes. I remember disposable income. Yeah, it's been been
1: a minute. Okay there, VIP,
0: whatever that was. Yes, very very important.
1: (laughs) Yes, the beat writer minutiae. Yeah. The VIP beat writer, Manucho. All right, man. Uh, we should end this. I got some video to cut. Um, you obviously have Monday Night Raw to watch. And
0: I yeah, exactly. Later. Oh, I forgot to ask you about uh, about the show in Saudi Arabia, the Greatest Royal Rumble. I was I was briefly thinking about searching for Washington bars that were showing it. Uh, and you made the right
1: call, ignoring that. I, I wasn't
0: briefly thinking about it. I did like look, but it was also a rainy day, and I couldn't find one. That was. Uh, had any that I could see was close to me, and I also wanted to have a nap, and I also thought this would be bad, and there's a good chance that show's going to suck. So I did not go to a Washington bar specifically to watch a WWE pay-per-view that was airing at noon Eastern.
1: Yeah, it was not the greatest horror Rumble, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Which uh, everyone knows, if you say, in my humble opinion, you, it's not your humble opinion. It's,
0: yes, yeah. Oh, Tampa Bay Lightning have scored. There you go. Cool. Yeah. I, I can't, I I can't it, imagine there's a lot of crossover
1: here on people that are listening to this podcast and care about the Tampa Bay Lightning having scored at the time we're recording
0: it. Yeah. Anyway, I heard it was bad. You don't need to get into it if you yeah, don't I,
1: I had it on in the background while I was doing work. Obviously, Game 6 was that night, so I was busy doing other stuff. But I think I caught the ladder match and the, the Cruiserweight match and then, like, the last five guys in the Rumble, and it was exactly what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the other thing of... uh, I'm looking, we have to get up because of his uh, Celtics Bucks, or Celtics Sixers, sorry.
0: That's I couldn't to... watch
1: an eighth game of Celtics Bucks. Thank thank God. It's yeah. that, that's not a thing.
0: Yeah, um... And Kevin Arnovitz was on my flight going there, and he was talking about how unmoved he was to watch that series. And uh, I can't blame him. Has that game started? Is it at 7 or No, eight it's o'clock. 8 o'clock. Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's the weird thing where... I... By the way, the reason P- so many people got mad about the Raptors having 6 o'clock start time on Tuesday, uh, it's because they want these, these Eastern Conference doubleheaders, and then Boston Philly have to get the 6 o'clock start time uh, on Thursday and Saturday. So consider yourself lucky. You only get one... 6 o'clock, or Saturday, Monday, whatever, however it works out.
0: I consider mm-hmm. myself unlucky to have two 8.30 starts. Uh, I don't know how other people work. I guess wanting to get home and eat and be comfortable watching games. I like them to be done as early as possible. Yeah, anyway. I
1: don't I don't have a strong preference.
0: Didn't work out for me.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes things don't, Eric.
0: Yeah, so I've heard.
1: Yeah. All right, man, we should end this. Uh, I will see you tomorrow we will talk I don't know after game four probably
0: maybe who knows because
1: they go 1-3-5-7.
0: it's gonna be hard to find time and you're and you're uh, gonna
1: be on the road and I'm not on the road so
0: yeah uh, yeah we might be looking they,
1: at Tuesday of next week
0: yeah except that. I bet will be bad for me. Maybe, maybe Wednesday morning after shoot around or something like that. Okay. Uh, um, anyway. the other
1: option, if the two, if the first two games are incredibly notable, we could try to record before you leave as well. So
0: anyway, we'll figure, we'll it, figure out. it
1: out. Yeah. We'll talk to the people again at some point. Um, guys, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the series. Remember it as illogical as it seems or, or not illogical, but this is, this is where I'm at. If, at the end of this series, you have let yourself believe in the Raptors and feel silly for it because LeBron James dunked on them figuratively and literally again. I think that that is better still than not letting yourself believe a little bit and enjoying the best Raptors team that has taken a crack at the Cavs yet taking a legitimate crack at them. Um, it is okay to believe even if it ends up being you know, incorrect and painful.
0: Yeah, or else like why like sports?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't recommend this in your real life. Just don't don't ever take risks or be vulnerable in real life. But when yeah. it comes to sports,
0: yeah, take all the risks you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, what's the worst outcome? You you have to see some annoying tweets. People drag up your reps and six pick. Come on. Yeah. That uh,
0: yeah. All right,
1: Nick, thanks so much, man.
0: Bye, Blake. Bye, bye, humans who listen to this. If only to be a reasonable man